Hi, welcome along to the RT Soccer Podcast. Raf Giallo here, and this week I'm joined by Graham Gartland and journalist David Snade. We're going to review two rounds of SSE or Tristy League action, and there's plenty more to chat about, including a spate of injuries for Ireland players over the last 48 hours. But uh, first off, what we're going to start off with is the breaking news that St. Patrick's Athletic have parted ways with Tim Clancy in the first managerial change of the Premier Division season. In a statement, the club said they can confirm that Tim Clancy has resigned from his position as first team manager by mutual consent and Pat's currently seventh in the table on 17 points lost three on the trot with uh, last night's uh, Sligo Rovers defeat proving the final straw five wins two draws and six defeats is the record for this season so David um, I know you were covering that uh, this morning in terms of breaking news but Mm. you might just give us the context of how they've come to this decision and how Pat's have got to this point yeah well I suppose the the statement is the fact that obviously Tim Clancy has resigned and it's by mutual mutual consent, it kind of I don't know. It's kind of like one of them as he has he said, you know what? I can't see this improving, or I've I've gone as far as I can. Maybe with, with how things are, it's as you say, it's come off the back of of two defeats, and then obviously fans would have been. You see some of the reaction after the game last night, and it was kind of it wasn't great. You know, it wasn't very positive at all. It never it never is going to be, but I think maybe the, the manner as well of some of the games where you know two games and not having a shot on target, but. Just like like that, and really the initial reaction more so is actually just disappointment and a little bit obviously to be a huge sense of frustration, I'm sure, for Tim as well. Because if you look at how kind of last season finished from basically the European games on and even getting knocked out of Europe, but going out with going out with a head held high in terms of how he performed, but then really using the second half of last season as a catalyst. And then it's kind of like it's kind of like a lot of the time, maybe, where it was a bit of rebuilding, like Adam O'Reilly gone and again signing for Derry and losing that. And it just kind of felt as if, even with some of the signings and from the outside, you're looking at, I think, and like say, like a Jake Mulrain could be really exciting and stuff. And because it just hasn't really clicked and they just haven't been able to sustain any kind of momentum from how last year finished, it's just been quite difficult. And I'll be honest, my kind of gut reaction was thinking earlier in the season when they kind of did put that run together, I think it was a four or five wins in a row, and you're kind of thinking, right, could this be a clicking back into the gear after how last year had finished? But it's just it's just been another kind of bump in the road, and it's obviously just proven to be one too many, and they've obviously come to the decision, as the statement says, by, by mutual consent for, for King Fancy to go. And I suppose, yeah, it's now it's just going to be looking to, because it's still very early in the season, to see who's actually going to be around, and I suppose the thing would be now is like what did he do? And if you look back at when Tim Clancy was appointed, was that a point where they just won the FAI Cup? Stephen O'Donnell had kind of left in quite difficult circumstances in terms of how he went to Dundalk, and it seemed like the obvious the obvious candidate who should come in was someone like Tim Clancy. The work that he had done for a good few years had dropped it consistently, kind of um, kind of I don't know in terms of his budget like overachieving, and you're kind of thinking right, go and give him that opportunity and. You're looking now, it's probably going to take a bit of time now to actually put it, I'm guessing, a list of people together and, and go and speak to different people because I imagine it would be a bit more of a longer process than, than it was the last time because, it, it could be, I don't know, maybe because it is still quite fresh, there's no one really jumping out straight away thinking, right, this fella has to go and, and get the job, you know? Yeah, and uh, Graham, in terms of the performances um, across this season, and I think it and it was sort of an issue last season as well for Pats. It was inconsistency where, as we saw this season, they went on runs where they went on a relatively long winning run, but it was sandwiched by uh, three defeats on a, in a row either side of it. Um, so in terms of first, 
to get your thoughts first on their performances in general <laughs> and then also where do you think they're going to go next in terms of who might take over? I think the, I agree with Dave. I think the performance have just been erratic and you never know what you're going to get. And with that, then it's hard to then know what the message is to the team. Um, you know, you can uh, you can do all your work as a manager and a coach all day, and and if you don't go out and perform, if the players don't go out and perform, they have to take responsibility for that as well. Um, I thought I thought when Tim came in originally, he had a dressing room that was split that would have been very like friendly towards Stephen O'Donnell and the work he done, and and I thought this season it was probably over the Christmas he got his own dressing room, he got his own players in, players had left that would have been maybe closer to O'Donnell when he was there. Um, so in that in that sense, it was probably his his team. Um, he brought in reinforcements up front and Tommy Lonergan, uh, which I felt he needed. I, I thought I still thought they were light maybe defensively. Joe Redmond when he's out is a massive loss for them. Uh, goalkeeper wise, I think they've struggled as well. I know Linus has come in, and um, he never really plays like got a a consistent number one that would bring confidence into your team. Um. But like you said, I think the five 0 defeat up in Dundalk and the reaction to that had sort of set set in at the club, and they never really they recovered from it in terms of their performances recovered, and they got back up and running. But that feeling of unease amongst the fans about maybe um, Tim Clancy never really left after that defeat, and and it was always lingering where he could do things really well and they got a really good draw against Rovers, uh, Jake Moraine with last man, and the feel and the spirit comes back in. But then as soon as something goes wrong, they're so quick to turn. And I think it's set in after that five 0 defeat uh, to Dundalk. But it's never nice to see any man losing a job. Um but where'd he go? Like I think Pats need to I'll be honest here, like Raf and, and and I very rarely start to come and say things like this. Pats need a big reset here, like, and and and, and from that point, I mean, Pats Academy is based. They play their games in Blanchardstown, okay. They they train in Ballyuster, the first team train in Ballyuster, and the first team play out of Inchicore. The the they're fractured in terms of how they are, and they're trying to do things off the pitch well, and they've a really good youth setup, but they need to align everything and get themselves a base where. Their academy can train out, their first team can train out, and everything's together. And I know that they want to put money into the first team and make sure that it's competitive and build the stadium up. And I get all that. I totally agree with all of it. But there has to be plans put in place to build a club that it's not just a case of a manager comes in and he's not successful and you move him on. Give him the tools where he can train at a proper training base, that the, their young players can train at a tra- proper training base every week that the first team are involved in. And then they can build and build something that can be sustainable over a longer period of time. And to be honest, I think that's the aim. That should be the aim of every club in the League of Ireland. Um, and I think if they could do that and then look to go, right, who's going to lead it and be at the helm of it and try and guide them through that, I think that might be a better way of doing it going forward. So are you saying, in, at least in the short term, it should be sort of a shorter term thinking in terms of the next manager and then maybe at some point, maybe later in the season to... <clears> no, I think, I know, in, in terms of who comes in, I, I don't know who's available to, to come in. You know, did he go back for a steady ship in terms of Liam Buckley? I know John had mentioned them. Did he go back and just get someone to steady the ship who knows the club, who understands it, who's been there before? Um, I'm, I'm, 
and have that in place. Um, but again, I, I just think about aligning everything at your football club that it runs together, that everybody's training out of the same place, everybody's working towards something um, in the same building. I think it'd be I think that might be more beneficial. And if they can get a young manager in or you know, not it doesn't have to be young, but a manager that has a track record of building that, I think it'd be really good for St. Pat's. And I think it's what ultimately St. Pat's want as well, is that they have sustainable success, that it's not just built off while well, a group of players come in, they're successful for a while, they move on. I think it's about right, a group of players come in, they they stay, but they they help the younger players coming in that are training with them and they continue that success and it becomes a lineage of of um, players who are associated with the club and associated with the area. Because yeah. again, I think Pats have done brilliant work off the pitch that sell out crowds every week. They've really gone out to Inchicore and really attracted a, a core fan base that has stayed with them. They've really stayed with them. They've been fantastic. I, I can't praise them enough for what they've done on that side of it. I just think in terms of aligning the football club, it's just a little bit beaty in, in terms of what they're trying to do. Yeah, and in terms of the young managers I mentioned there, um, David, uh, like their most, their two most recent, Clancy and then obviously Stephen O'Donnell, they've gone with the sort of progressive young manager. And I'm wondering in terms of profiles of who's out there, who sort of fits that bill if they were to follow that sort of template again. Yeah, well, I suppose part of it would be, well, who actually, who's now going to now apply for the job as well? You know what I mean? I'm sure there's going to be applications coming from different places and whether or, whether or not that's where they're going in terms of, or you never know, have they already made the, made the decision and said, you know what, we're actually going to go with, with X, Y, or Z, or we want, this is who we want to speak to at the moment. And I'll be honest, it's sort of something that now kind of over the next little while myself as a journalist will be going to be doing is to try to actually get the, to get, well, for want of a better word, get the source on what's actually going to be happening here in terms of, are they going to try and get someone in who do you want to say this whole thing of a long-term project the point Graham makes about, you know, things being connected and he's right because like the way Pats' academy is run is just sensational really is like in terms of like really the, the quality of, of the players that are already in there and the players have already come through and you see someone like Sam Cortis and obviously, you know, Ben McCormick in on the first team as well, Adam Murphy too. Like there's, there's lads there who are a testament to the work that's already that is that is being done and well I'm guessing they're gonna be saying well we need someone who has an understanding of that as well but then the other point of it is as well is they're gonna to need to go and get European football this year you know that's the that's the aim that's the target like and no matter what in terms of no matter what anyone says like it's the, the nature of first team management especially in, in in club football when especially in the is short term there's no getting away from it where like if you're not delivering results you're gonna you're going to be getting under pressure and you're going to ultimately lose your job, which is what, what's happened to Tim Clancy this season. And even maybe if if you go back to last season, if last season had it continued on the same trajectory as the first half when he was in, then like this could have happened sooner. Do you know what I mean? Like he stayed in the job and, and was given more time in the job and also felt as if he earned more time in the job because of how last season finished and the positivity that he managed to garner by getting that group of players together. Um, and really putting serious run of results together. Um, so it's going to come down to like who actually comes in for the job now, really, and what where Pats see the best chance of getting success this season because like they need European football. Like clubs who want to compete in the League of Ireland, you need to qualify for Europe. Do you know what I mean? Like I know Pats are fortunate they have Gary Kelleher there, who will obviously has given them a tremendous amount of the financial support down through the down through the years. But just the nature of them of the kind of 
the, the finance that's now involved in European football for for clubs like they they have to they have to make sure that they're qualifying for Europe. That's just the the absolute the absolute bare minimum. Do you know what I mean? It really is. Yeah, and uh, of course, in the shorter term now, um, we're obviously probably going to hear in the meantime who uh, who takes charge temporarily. But in terms of the actual uh, longer term appointment, uh, we'll see what happens before Friday. Um, obviously, they're going to they're playing Cork City next down in Turner's Cross in a seven forty five p.m. kickoff, and actually on the same uh, night as well, Shamrock Rovers Bohemians playing each other same uh, same kickoff time, but live on RT two and the RT player, and that's where we're going to turn to the two rounds of uh, of action in the Premier division um over the weekend so on friday night pats and this was the first of those two defeats um across those few days where they they were up at Derry city and lost 2-0 uh dundalk won the loud derby 3-2 against a uh, 10-man drada shelburne beat cork city 2-1 ucd earned a point against bohemians and then shamrock rovers beat sligo rovers 2-1 and then on monday or yesterday um pats and this was sort of the i suppose the straw that broke the camel's back lost 1-0 at home to sligo rovers Bohemians uh, bounce back from dropping points against UCD by beating Cork City 5-0, who are now under pressure. We're going to hear a little bit from Colin Healy later on. And then Drawdy United and Shelburne drew one all. Dundalk uh, won 2-0 at UCD. And uh, then in the live TV game yesterday on RT2, an RT player, Shamrock Rovers, beat Derry City 2-0. And uh, Jack Byrne played a key role in that score in the second into a, into an open goal and also played a key part in the opening goal as well in terms of the, the cross-field pass for uh, for Trevor Clark, which then uh, ended up going to Richie Towell for a brilliant team goal. So let's listen to Jack Byrne because he was talking to Tony O'Donoghue afterwards. Jack, well done. I'm sure you're delighted with the three points, obviously. A clean sheet as well? Yeah, it's, uh, it's been a long time, I think, since we won up here. Obviously got beat last year in the in the cup as well. And uh, we know that a good team, Rory, brilliant manager. Um and it's always difficult coming up here. They're down a few bodies, um, so it's probably a good time to play them. You're in quite the run at the moment, in fairness. Um and that first goal was a super team goal. Obviously a long diagonal, we all love those, but the way the ball went from back to front was brilliant. That's what I said when we were celebrating, I said that's a team, it was a real team goal. Um I'd like to say it's what we worked on, but we didn't really. You know, it's just the the moment. And but that's that was a real team goal. And uh, you know, Richie is an unbelievable runner. Trevor's light and quick, so um, you know, just a brilliant goal. And I think we'll enjoy watching that one back here. And your one then uh, it showed great awareness. I mean, you know, for the ball to to break like that, and then to see that the the, the chance was on. Yeah, I thought it was going to bounce back into our goal on the Astro. You know, it took that long to go in, but. Um, yeah, it was nice. Look, I'm delighted to score. Um, tired now. Been a been a mad couple of weeks, so you know. We're delighted to still have you in the league, Jack. I mean, that talk of America did it turn your head at all? Um, look, I just as I said, I take confidence in my own performances, and uh, I feel like when I'm back fit and I'm I'm playing, you know, um, I think I've always done well. So. Uh, I'm just, you know, taking confidence in my performances. All right, so that is Jack Byrne there. And Graham, uh, what was better, the way he sidestepped that last question or uh, <laughs> his performance last night? Uh, yeah, he was excellent, Jet. Do you know what? He, he's probably the best he's played. Last year, he would, he'd, he'd admit that he probably didn't hit the levels he has. But this year, even in the games when Rovers, even the home game against Cork, the home when they drew four all, um, some of the games, even against Shells, when they're chasing it, he's the one that's driving them at the minute with with the quality that he's producing, and he and he drove them last night. Or what I will say is, um, I thought defensively Rovers were excellent last night. 
for all the for all the stuff Jack does and and the and the platform he gives them going forward in terms of creativity. I thought defensively they were they were excellent. They were solid. They didn't give Derry a sniff. I think they had their header in the first half from Duffy, and then obviously the penalty later on uh, comes, which obviously is a sniff. I, I get what I'm saying, but um, the, they were defensively. Derry didn't have any sustained pressure at all in the game, and never felt like they had a chance, like they were in the game in terms of attacking wise. And that comes from Lopez. I think has been fantastic. Um, but the way Jack plays the game and and the creativity he has and his awareness to always find space in the pitch is fantastic. And it sums it up with the two goals that he's heavily involved in. Tails heavily involved in the build up play as well. But he's on the end of it to finish it. It's a sublime goal, really is. Um, and it just shows the quality that's in the league and for that to happen on national television as well. It was great. So, um, yeah, brilliant. Again, against Sligo, Sligo were really good in the game. Sligo probably had more, the, one of the first teams I've seen have more possession than Rovers in Tala. Um, again, defensively in the foot, in the defensive third, Rovers were really good in the game. Didn't give up many chances. Um, even the goal was a deflected shot as well. But I think Stephen Bradley had touched on and said that that press wasn't good enough and they were a little bit too gapped in how they were um their midfield and their attacking play was and they fixed that. And uh, again, I thought we were really comfortable against Derry last night. I don't think the pitching Brandywell helps. I think um Rory Higgins had even said they lacked intensity in the game. Rovers were able to come off the game, take touches and play and I don't think Derry were in the game at all and, and that would be disappointing considering you're looking at it from last year's point of view, it's first versus second. It's FAI Cup winners against the league champions. And I didn't think Derry were in the game at all. Um, and I, I think Rory Higgins is right to be disappointed with the first half display. Yeah, let's listen to Rory Higgins because he was also talking to Tony O'Donoghue. Good segue, Raph. Good segue. But... <laughs> Shamrock Rovers, you knew were always going to be one of your toughest opponents. Um, the performance of Jack Byrne tonight, particularly in that first half, do, do you think that was the difference? Well, I think... Um, First half, they were. It has to be said, they were much better than us. Uh, we didn't lay a glove on them really, um, and they controlled the game. And, and I didn't see it coming, to be honest, because of the intensity we played with on Friday night. We just could, we just didn't replicate it tonight. And and, and against good sides, when you don't bring that intensity, you get punished. Um, and I think over the over the course of the game, that the, the damage was done in the first 45 minutes. At the highest level up against teams like Shamrock Rovers or perhaps Bohemians this season. Um, do you need your McElhinney's and your Dummigans and your Connolly's? It's easy saying that now, Tony, but uh, we went down to Rovers without key players earlier in the season and, and won. Um, but we just, first 45 minutes, we just weren't at ourselves. We weren't ourselves. Uh, it's, it's not acceptable, really, the, the lack of intensity that we played with. Um, so hopefully now all we can ask for and all we can demand, sorry, is a reaction on Friday. All right, Rory Higgins there. And uh, David, obviously, as has been mentioned, I think it's mentioned to Payne's um, over the last wee while. Obviously, the pitch is a problem there for Derry City. and uh, But the disappointment, I guess, is also, as he's outlined there, they just they weren't themselves considering how well they played in Tala um, in the reverse fixture earlier in the season. Yeah, and he, he kind of referenced it there himself that he didn't see that first half coming and like I'm sure, and Gray will know this. Maybe I'm sure. Obviously, managers now and coaching staffs they have all the metrics, don't they? After games, and like it would have just been a case of recovery after the game on Friday. But sometimes that can happen, isn't it? Where 
you know, you put so much into into a game, and then it can be just naturally difficult to go again and and repeat that that level of intensity, especially on an astro pitch as well. You know that, like, I know for all the talk about about it in terms of maybe some of the injuries that can happen, and I know obviously Stephen O'Donnell kind of brought that up a, a, a couple of weeks ago now in Dundalk and stuff, but can be difficult to to replicate it in terms of that level as as uh, Rory was talking about in terms of just. Uh, miles that would have been covered and what he would have needed to have done and that was evident but as well as again it's he references it but like you know what I mean there was times where earlier in the season when they went to they went to uh, Rovers and they they were the better team you know they, they got the result and they, they kind of the way they, the goal on the break as well and how they played in that game they kind of were, were good value for it and I kind of I, got, I, got, I still get the sense that that could be a little bit how the season can maybe go like Rovers do seem to have clicked into a little bit of form now and I think that everyone was expecting that but just the nature of if they can maintain that and we see how they deal with Europe that's what's going to be the big thing as the season goes on too as well as you know, how how the squads will 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 kind of carry it you know what I mean and if you're looking at it from the point of view of of, of history we can talk about the age profile of the of the Rovers squad and they've brought in a couple of players now who are a bit younger again in terms of obviously Johnny Kenny coming in and and Trevor Clark and the kind of a bit of freshness that, that that can bring and that's going to be a big thing as the season goes on is how the squad, how the squad are, are kind of utilised because if, if Rudy Higgins is already making that point now after a couple of games where not really after making the point after kind of a couple of days to turn around and having those big games kind of not that that was their undoing last year but they did hit that kind of period for the guts of maybe about six weeks where they, they really really struggled and they can't afford to do that again because we've seen that Rovers are capable of putting that run together and then just like they were able to last season obviously just manage out the league but I don't know what, what Graham would think about it as well but I kind of get the sense that it's got, it will come down to how you utilise your squad and picking it in those moments and when to bring in players and when not to and again who's going to be fit as well you know what I mean that's going to be such a big thing and is, is actually the fitness of players and I know it's such an obvious an obvious thing to say but for, for Derry to be competing they need to have that full complement fit and ready to go all season really they really do like you know what I mean it's I don't think there's anyone who can actually cope with losing the, the calibre of player that they have maybe in certain games for a prolonged period yeah uh, because Graham uh, before we touch on Shamrock Rovers and the context of uh, Bowles and the Derby on Friday um, in in terms of the players that have come back for Derry City Colin Whelan was one who had uh, com- made two substitute appearances scored twice looked really really sharp in terms of uh, being in and around the box um, came on um, at half time yesterday against against Rovers. Now he wasn't able to have the same impact because Derry were quite flat. But uh, then there was that little bit of a worry down in the corner where he went down <clears> and he looked really emotional afterwards. Seemed to twist his knee and obviously he's just after returning from a long term ACL. Now there hasn't been any uh, update in terms of um, yeah. whether there was a whether there actually was an injury or was it just sort of a little bit of a scare, but. Um, he's one they would certainly want to keep fit because he's looked really good since he's come back. Yeah, he's been again. I think I think McGonagall does a lot of good work, but sometimes he can, when he comes up against the likes of Lopez and and even powerful defenders, he can sometimes struggle. Um, and where I think Whelan has just has a, a way of playing. I seen him play for UCD, and I remember him thinking he caused Rovers a bit of trouble in the UCD game one time. And I thought. Uh, Boy's a good player. Like, let's be honest, he's a good player, and he's come back in and he scored the two goals. I think he just got a fright. You could see it in his face. He went to stand up and he just 
got a bit he got a fright and the emotion kicked in that he's he's obviously wants to make sure that it's all right and he hobbled around for the rest of the game um in fairness but in terms of keep you see Rover's squad last night and they, they've been building this like Gaffney the Gaffney's back on the bench last night he's been out for the last couple of games Kenny goes on a score and he scores against um St Pat's and then he scores against Sligo Graham Bourke comes out of the team comes back in produces a, a wonderful d- display in Daily Mount scores a, a wonderful goal against Shelbourne he comes out of the team Richie Tell comes back in um, he ends up scoring the goal last night so it's 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 not just that the Rovers have the bigger squad. It's when they they're keeping them fresh. That when they come in to play, they're contributing to the team. I think sometimes they're they're chasing players to come back fit, and then they're pushing them back in, and they mightn't be up to they mightn't be up to the pace of the game because it's a necessity thing rather than a right. Let's move this around. Like Graham Bork is a, a, a is another example. I think Graham Bork might play Friday. Because he plays really well in the bowls in the bowls games, and he has a knack of scoring against bowls. So Stephen might be looking at going. Well, I'll leave him out for the Monday night game on an Astro, and I'll bring him back in to play in Tala against bowls on on Friday. And that's the luxury that Shamrock Rovers have afforded themselves. Mm. I agree with David. I don't think Derry have afforded themselves that luxury with the with the players. It's nearly like we need to have these players playing. And as soon as they're back fit, they're straight back in. There's no building process or, right, let's move our squad around to see which player fits a different game or I'm going to rest in because we have a game coming up and this player's equally able to play. But I think this X player might have more of an impact in the game next week. And that's just, again, that's just building. Rory's it's his second season, second full season. And that just takes a while to build that type of squad depth and squad consistency and a lot of teams are chasing that and Dundalk had it for years and that's why Dundalk were so successful. Um, all the great teams that have been successful over the, in the in the league have had that consistency in the squad that they're able to pick and choose. The manager's able to pick and choose which players he sees fit to play each game. There you need to get to that. The league, we said after two or three games doing this podcast, it's 13 games in. And the league has taken a familiar look to it. The only outlier in that is Bohemians. Bohemians are sitting top of the league. If you, if you, like again, if you take, if you took them out and you went Rovers, Dirty Dundalk, Sligo, you would have said, well, that would be the top four. But then you're putting balls in on top. So full credit to them. They've started the season unbelievably well. And what they've done really well is anytime they've had a negative result, they've bounced back with a positive result. That's been the biggest. Um, core from them this season that they probably didn't have last season. You take into a fact that Bohemians have gone full-time this year as well. Um, they're training in the mornings. Um, they're training now at DCU. Devoyne, they've a big backroom staff around them and they're doing great work in terms of <clears throat> getting them ready for the next game. They didn't perform against UCD the way he would have liked, but they bounced back with an emphatic win against um, Cork and Full credit to Bohemians that they're there on merit. You're, you're on top of the league by how many points you're getting. That's where they are, and it makes Friday night's game even more intriguing now. Yeah, and obviously the the gap with that uh, UCD result, it it sees that uh, Shamrock Rovers coming within four points of them now, and obviously I think Shamrock Rovers will still be favourites to go on and win it, as I think everyone pretty much said at the start of the season. But in terms of what Bohemians learn from the the first derby of the season, which is <laughs> which isn't that long ago, I mean I was at it myself, and uh, 
Bowes started brilliantly. Shamrock Rovers weathered the storm and then, you know, the, their quality told mm-hmm. towards the end. What can Bowes learn this time in terms of responding to that and putting in a 90-minute performance against what is the strongest squad in the league? Um, I think they just concentrate on the game first and foremost. I, I, a lot, there was a lot of talk around going into the game last last time. Um, and again, the game still has to be played. Focus on the game. They did start the game really well. They started with a high tempo, but once the game settled, they needed to counteract what Shamrock Rovers were doing in terms of um, controlling their midfield. You know, Jack Bourne pulled out into inside right channels. Graham Bourke pulled out into inside left channels and he tried to pin um, Dundalk, oh, sorry, Bohemians back. It left their fullbacks a little bit isolated and then the wingers are running back and doing too much work and they took the legs out of Dylan Connolly and, De- and Declan McDade on the other side. So they need to find a way to counteract Rovers' wing-backs in their midfield and their box four in midfield. Um, again, being happy to sit in their shape and saying the Rovers, right, you can have it to a certain point and then we'll, we'll nick it. I think when the game did settle down and Rovers found a way of playing, Bowes were still pressing them, thinking, right, we're going to win it back, we're going to win it back. And Rovers, by that stage, had found the spaces and the holes that they knew the way to play through. Um, they needed to find their own way of playing as well when they're on the ball. I think later on when they were chasing the game, especially, they started going direct into Afalabi. And when I wasn't working, they maybe didn't have a second plan to go, right, let's, you know, let's do dropouts of midfield ourselves. Let's get 2v1s against Rovers foot wing backs in wide areas by one of our midfielders dropping out. Our winger can come inside or a fullback can go. There wasn't any sort of patterns in that way. It was all like, a little bit of blood and thunder to try and get back into the game to show that oh this is a derby and we care but there needs to be a bit more guile about them in terms of when they haven't got the ball and understanding where Rovers are strong and when they have got the ball and understanding how they can try and create something for themselves Um, because that's actually yeah play the game with their head as well as their heart like you know I was going to say, Greg, that's a, it's a good point because even, again, Raph, because again, you only sitting beside me at that match only uh, in the start of the game, it looked as if that's what Bowles were doing. You know, Ali Cute was actually, was dropping in and was causing them a bit of problems and then Dylan Connolly went, made a couple of runs from out for me and it kind of mm. had caught Rovers on the hop a little bit and like Lee Grace made an unbelievable tackle to stop um, to stop Dylan Connolly scored and Ali Cute had a good chance and then after that, as you say, Rovers did, they just took hold of the game and Bowles weren't able to get back into it and you were kind of thinking especially at home if Bowles had got one of those chances the crowd was up and maybe would it have helped to Bowles then settle in with that with that lead because it did look as if they were marrying those those two aspects that, that Graham was saying about having that bit of craft about them as well as having that the energy and all the rest of it and it kind of it kind of this you can look at it two ways just on in terms of whether or not Bowles will be able to maintain it because like as you say they are full time now it's not as if it was the previous regime and even though they would have been training nearly every evening anyway where they were training in the evening times and we lads still working and all the rest like fitness wise I don't think there's going to be an issue with, with them kind of lasting the pace of the season it's just how they kind of got into the pattern of, can you see the kind of pattern now of their season a little bit where maybe they will have that the odd bad result maybe the draw here or, or Lewis and yeah they'll have that character that Declan Devine has spoken about where they'll come back I don't think that's going to be a pattern that can, can sustain a championship win, to win a league if you're going to if you're going to be dropping points like that and then fair enough showing a bit of resilience 
because it's it's it is that part now it's three times I think three or four times now where where that's actually happened. Whereas I think it'd be more than enough to make sure that they qualify for Europe. Which let's be honest, I think that's what the target. If you had to set to any Bowls fan, that's going to be the target at the start of the season, or that'll be what you'll achieve. They would have absolutely gone for it, considering that the the issues after last season when Keith Long left and a bit a little bit of sense of the drift that maybe had gone in there and. Fair play to uh, Declan Devine because he's got a grip of the club absolutely. Like he's got a, it's he's fantastic job that he's done so far. But you you kind of hope that like like any set of fans, like the Bowls fans, they they're top of the league now. Like like that excitement comes with it. And don't get me wrong, to be to be lads there who'll say, you know what, they'll know when they're good. They're going to it's going to be tough to re- to sustain, especially as as I said, the kind of pattern of how the season now is beginning to take with with how the kind of results have gone, but. I don't know. Sometimes they can get momentum, and if they can go, they can go to Pallet, especially after how Robert were so in control and dominant after pretty much the tenth minute in Daly Mill Park. But if they can go there and put on a performance that does kind of marry those two aspects, where they can frustrate and they can then show that that little bit of class that they do have, like they have good players who can, like as you can see, like against Cork, they're able to pick them apart and score five goals, and like they absolutely got players who can do it. And then it's a case of sometimes, sometimes that momentum can kind of players can get swept up by it a little bit and the positivity, and then there's still going to be time in the summer to maybe add reinforcements. And it's just don't get me wrong, like I'll probably I'll no no doubt will will have people peppering me for saying it, but I would love to see Bowles get a positive result on Friday just because, like, if Robert were to do it, it just ratchets us up there, momentum again, and you could just see them taking off even more because they've already done it, essentially, haven't they? The, the, the run they're on. But in terms of seeing a full-on, because let's be honest, it'd be fast to see it, it's a full-on title race between Bowles and Rovers. I do, or even though it's early, I kind of feel as if for Bowles themselves and even for maybe some of the doubters who might still say, well, are they capable of staying there? If they can go and do what Graham has said by, by being clever as well as being not cunning about it but you didn't again you do yeah you have to have that element here as well you know what i mean um i know this has gone on a ramble i had someone complain to me about social media uh, about the scourge of time wasting in football and i'm thinking because of all the things that is wrong with football giving out about fellas time wasting should not be one of them should not even be in the top 10 i don't think and someone pointed out i don't think i've ever seen a fella tell a goalkeeper the hurry up taking a goal kick when i wouldn't win nil. do you know what i mean Anyway, sorry, that was just I digress. That was just in my head because there was someone peppering me on social media about that. I always seems to be bold or always trying to do it too. Yeah, and then um, they complain. They complain about time waste and then complain that there's ten minutes stoppage time added on. You're like, you can't have it both ways. Like, that's yeah. the big laugh. And oh, where did you get five minutes from? Your keeper's bleeding tiny lace for the last two minutes. You know, yeah. um, that's a new one, isn't it? The, yeah. the goalkeeper one is that's the new. That that is one that kind of gets me nerves, but it's one that the ref should have a bit of cop on to now at this stage where. I think it was actually Derry City uh, against uh, Pats early in the season after they were, they were struggling for the first 10, 15 minutes of the game. Pats were all over them, actually. And then um, Brian Mar Brian Mar goes down. Brian Mar goes down. And then straight away, they're all in. And they were able to rejig their midfield. They brought Colley O'Neill in from the, the wing more centrally. And then they totally took control of them. But any, any, I digress. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on, uh, anyway, speaking of Derry City, anyway, um, their uh, next match, and they, feel, they have a tricky trip uh, to draw the... But um, since Drogheda had beat them up at the Branduel um, six games or five games ago, um, Drogheda have only, well, haven't been able to win since and have lost three of their games. But they're still, you know, ticking away well. Even in the derby, Graham, I mean, they, they went down to 10 men, but they showed a lot of resilience to almost uh, almost get something there. 
they're, they're, they're being competitive, which is what we'd expect, but they're always in the game. You look at even like they, they go one nil up against Shells, even um, they're 2 0 down against Dundalk with 10 men, they come back to two all. Um, I was talking to a few people from Draw the day recently, and they, they love how competitive the team is, they love the fact that they, they play for each other, they love the fact they play for the town, and um, they're right behind them. I think the crowds are up, um, even more so than when we were you know, successful up there, which is great to see. Um, so, like you said, I think Draper's been really good for them, gives them a focal point to play off, and then the likes of Rooney, uh, Rooney and um, Dara Markey are running off him because they know that there's something to run off, whether it's a flick on or he's going to hold it up and make the play. So, um, I think he's he's done a great job. Um, Kevin Doherty has been fantastic for them. Um, and he again, he just makes them make sure that the game is competitive. And sometimes they mightn't play open, attractive football at times, which that's that's well and good. Like, but they're they're, they're playing effective football. Um, they will play. Deegan in midfield will play. He always play little passes. But when it's on to go into the front man and play off him, they will. And and again, I admire that because they're playing to their team strengths. But they're, they're competitive. Like, um. I think they're a little bit unlucky. Um, and again, because we have to be consistent on the show, like I, I think they probably should have a penalty in the in the in the game. I think Paddy Barrett takes out the boy running into the box. Um he just body checks him, puts his arm across him. And I know that Damien has been on giving out about referees when decisions go against his team. I think he I think they got away with one there. Like um it's a fantastic free kick from Caffrey. I know people are on social media blaming the goalkeeper here, but maybe he's, he's a little bit too far out and it goes over his head. But uh, it's a wonderful free kick. Um, but yeah, I think you're going to touch on it later on with, with, with Colin Healy, but they're probably unlucky not to have a penalty in the game when you watch it back and you see the, it's a it's a as blatant a body check stroke uh, arm across his, his chest as you'll see. And I don't know how the ref hasn't spotted it or seen it. Um, so I do think, like you said, I think that the refereeing decisions even themselves out over the course of the season. Yeah, and then a couple of young players, um, David, in terms of from the Shell's point of view, just listening to Damien Duff uh, when he was talking talking to the, the club channel or to Darren Cleary on the club channel um, when he was talking up Jad Hakiki and how and the impact he made mm. when he came on. And he's he obviously had a long period out uh, through injury, but he's been kind of working his way back now. And then for Dundalk, Ryan O'Kane in those two games over the the weekend, first scoring the first goal in the derby, and then a cracking goal yesterday oh, against yeah. UCD. There's a couple. There's a couple of these young players standing out. I know. Yeah. What What would be the thing? It'd be hashtag ballers, wouldn't it? Isn't that what people would, uh, would say about? It? But like, like the O'Kane goal yesterday is great because it's it's kind of what you want to see in terms of finding that bit of space and then just. In an instant, knowing what he wants to do and then unleashing it, his technique for the goal is uh, is excellent. And it's funny because, like, again, uh, the, the people who like coming through at Dundalk were probably saying, you know what, it's taking them a bit, not a bit longer because he's only baby, still very young. But like, people at Dundalk who would have worked with him previously would have seen that talent from such an early age. And again, it's just fostering it and having that person who can kind of bring it out and like we had this comment with Graham mentioned earlier about rovers and about dirty and using your squads and that's when sometimes you need a manager to know well do you know what understand the character and understand maybe the body of, a, of, of young lads as well and, and how they kind of what they can be capable of and what they can accept and what 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 they're able to manage you know because it's so important to just 
to to use it right. And obviously with, with Jet Hakiki at, at Shells, we saw that last season where he was in the team for for the period. And just I don't know, it's it's easy to say it, but I mean, you can just see sometimes when someone, a fella has something that other players in the pitch don't have, where how they kind of like manipulate the ball, how they use it, just how it seems to stay with them. I think that's what with Hakiki, that's how it seems to be. He just seems to be just so delicate almost with the ball, you know, how he how he uses it. But then on, on the flip side of that, you don't, I mean, it's in the nicest possible way. You, like, you don't get into a, a duff team if you can't do the other side of, of what's going to be demanded of them in terms of how the league is as well, in terms of the physical side and all the rest of it. But it's going to be bit by bit where you kind of try them in at the right time, give them that running game, see what what's going to sue, and then know when to take them out as well, just because of the nature of it. Their bodies are going to need a little bit of, of different management. But yeah, like, it's it's amazing over actually last night as well. Some of the goals that were actually scored in the uh, the caliber, like it's like the uh, the goal of the month for May. I don't think we're only in the like, was only in a couple of days in, but yeah, the caliber it's it's incredible. Like McManus goal, the, the the fifth goal for balls uh, last week, fantastic. McManus, like. fantastic, fantastic. But also, and like we started a conversation later about Pats, but Max Matt's goal last night for Sligo, like. That, yeah. For me, like that's the ultimate centre forwards goal, where you're having the bravery to come in and show for a pass from your centre back, linking it off with a one touch pass out, and then straight away spinning, turning, and wanting to get in the box and then getting a bullet header. Like it was, you're looking at it like it probably won't even be in the top five goals in terms yeah, yeah. of catching the eye. But I just I was looking at it from a point of view of a striker, and you know the modern game of what where it's where it seems to be going. Fantastic! Goal. His really improvement, his like, improvement this year has been fantastic. I have to say, I watched him on Friday in Tala, and I thought he was brilliant in the game as well. He's hold up play again, getting used to the league. He's he's planting himself a lot earlier. He's hitting, he's hitting people yeah. before the ball comes up. He's holding, he's ground more. He's linking the play better, and then he's like you said, he's he, he is then recognizing. If I'm linking the play here, I'm getting in the box, and he's, box, he's physically yeah. all there, David. Like he's solid. Um, yeah, look, I, really I spoke impressed. to him. I spoke, yeah, like I spoke to him last week just for a piece, just previewing the Rovers game actually, because the top scorer going to play against against Shamrock Rovers, you know, and like he seems like a very relaxed fella, you know, calm and all the rest. But like that, that's what struck me about that goal because like he was twenty five yards from goal, twenty five yards from the box when he laid off. He could have easily said, well, you know what, I've done ninety percent of my job here. That's enough. I'll leave it. See if there's anyone for the pitch. But he was hungry, like you know what I mean. That's that's what's going to get you to be top scorer in the league. That's what's going could get you an extra five, six, seven goals. Could be the difference. You know what I mean? And got him to three points in the end. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. But that, that's for a centre forward and for the way Sligo play, Mate and that that performance, which I thought was just really good, really, really, really good. And uh, yeah, like even just the header, like you don't see many goals like that. You know what I mean? Like, kind of just having that, just bit of hungriness for it. You know what I mean? Sometimes lads seem to be like to be happy to kind of do all the neat and tidy stuff outside the box and looks grand, but then not want to actually get in because you could have got a clatter very easily. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and so it was. Um, well, that was an exceptional goal on a weekend, a long weekend of some. Yeah, really, like you really said, Caffrey's goal, Pell's goal, um, McManus goal. Jack Bourne's goal, I know, I know it's from a distance, but yeah, they've been those top goals all Monday night. Yeah. Fair, um, by the way, mentioned to the Ireland on the 15s that won the tournament over in Italy as well. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. Um, brilliant, like you know, beating Italy in the final two yeah. one. Uh, yeah, uh, no, a lot of good young players coming through, and uh, it's Jason Donahue, isn't it? Who's still yeah. he's still over the under 15s. Yeah, yeah, good fella. 
had the chance to chat to him before. Um, uh, yeah, and Sligo Rovers, you said there, like they've had a lot of inconsistency. The one consistency, of course, is Max Mata in front of goal, but uh, 19 points and uh, fifth on the table at the moment. And uh, let's uh, let's listen to Colin Healy now, Cork City manager, because while um, the clubs above them are pulling away from them, Cork uh, seem to be getting reeled in by UCD at the moment. So let's listen to him. He's speaking and he seemed uh, quite furious uh, after the 5-0 defeat to Bohemians. Uh, Colin, you didn't look happy at halftime that uh, sending off. Any, any thoughts? Sending off. It's the other one before it. It's the other one before. We're in goal and they blow it up. And you seen that as well, didn't you? Yeah. It's a disgrace. As we had it last week, it was again with Shells. We had a penalty and it was... They're getting nothing. And I don't get, get me wrong, is that okay? We got to send an off decision. Is that okay? They're saying Ali kicked out and all that kind of stuff. It's hard enough to come up here to Bowes to play with 11 players down to 10. Yes, it's very difficult as well. Okay, yes, we got beaten 5 0. We tried to go for it towards last 20 minutes and they picked us off. Okay, that's fine. The referees are killing us. Excuse my language, they're killing us. Killing us. But, what about, the, but what about the sending off? I mean, have you any, any qualms about that itself? I think it was a bit harsh. I mean, the referee didn't get it if it was. Leno Northside gave it, yeah. and it's a fair distance to see it from there. Leno didn't see it here, so it's and there was another free in the in the in the second half, whereas that he didn't see it down that side, so that was closer. So I'm a small bit strange in that one. And but overall, the context of the game, I mean, it's I still five 0 though, you know. Yeah, yeah. Five, we're down to yeah. ten players. Yeah. Listen, both are a good side; they're top of the table, so it's it's always going to be difficult. You know? Any positives you can take out of today? No. Absolutely none. In, in terms of the way the, your team is structured or the way you played or responded? But listen, but listen, we're in the game. And obviously, when the, when the player gets sent off, when I get sent off, it's going to be... We're defending. We're defending. We have a great chance when it's 2-0. We came off in to pull off a great save. How did he miss that? Yeah, well, listen, he's missed it. He's pulled off a great save. He's a very, very good goalkeeper. Pulls off one after two or three minutes with Keats. He's in with a header. But it's, um, it's just the decisions again. It's every week. Okay, so that is Cork City manager uh, Colin Healy. So that's after the five nil against Bohemians, and obviously the the main um, main extract from it is in regards to the referees, Graham. But I think if you're looking at why he's so frustrated, it's you know it, it's a fourth defeat in a row. So the frustration probably comes from that, and also the fact like UCD getting the draw up at Bohemians and having and this run that Cork City are on actually began with the one nil defeat up at the UCD Bowl, and I guess it's all of that that's just kind of building up um, in regards to Healy. Yeah, like you said, it's it's and he's he's not turning on his players, which full credit to Colin. Like you know, he seems like that type of manager that will always back his players. Um, it has been a tough run for them. Um, I I think like you said, I think he'd be disappointed with the UCD, and then you know, I think they lose to. It's a tight, it's a tight loss to Shells as well. I know they're two 0 down, and then Whitmarsh scores late on to maybe give them a fighting chance, but the. They're in the games as much as they can be, obviously, and then they go and, and lose 5-0 to Cork. The incident he's talking about is, is again, is an advantage one that they've gone basically up, back, through, and the fella who set it back has been has been hit, and but the true ball is already gone, and the referee decides to bring it back. And it was similar to one we done... Uh, we the done Derry, the, up in Derry, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. we done a game for RTE up in Derry, and... and uh, McGonagall, I think, was true on goal about to hit a strike yeah. and, and the referee decides to pull it back and like just let it just let it play out, let the game breathe for a little bit. And what's to say that you can't like I know they say there's an eight second rule where you can bring it back, but just let the game breathe. And then when you decide to bring it back, you can make the decision then and you can say, Listen, you have no advantage of a stopped, you're still getting your free kick. 
And if the other team want to complain about it, that's on them. But they're the ones that have failed and have gotten away with, with an advantage. So I think the disappointment comes in there. Um, the Gilchrist one, I didn't I didn't see that incident. I don't know if he kicks out, if he has kicked out and the referee decides it's a, it's, it's a red card, then Ali needs to look at himself there and realise they're in a they're in a tough fight and he can't be doing things like that to set his team back. Um but again, Colin, he's just getting frustrated. You can see the frustration in him, but um it's not like him to get that annoyed. He's he's quite relaxed and, and level headed, Colin. And to see him get that annoyed, you can understand his frustration. Um, but he he'd probably be more upset with the fact that you know, you look at Bowles five. Cork nail, it doesn't look right, but there is circumstances behind it. They're down to 10 men. They're in the game to start, but they probably have a chance to go ahead and the ref ports them. And I think when we've seen it in Tala, when they do go ahead, they're, they're willing to hold on and fight and dig in and, and try and, you know, hold on for a result. And I, I think he feels that if they do, if he can get goals and score, that they'll hold on and get results. And maybe he feels that he never got the chance to do that. Yeah, and then down in the first division, uh, in terms of well, obviously they had the the two rounds of action as well. But the the end result in terms of table, Galway United still seven points clear of Waterford. However, they had won eleven games in a row, but then kind of unexpectedly lost one nil up at Longford Town with Mohammed Boudiaf scoring the the winner there. However, um, Graham, nothing really changes because of course uh, Waterford uh, <laughs> couldn't capitalize and uh, ended up losing one nil at home to Wexford. Aaron Dobbs, yeah, with a header, yeah. Um, he does brilliantly for it, in fairness, actually. He's always in the middle of the goal, Aaron, and he gets his head on it. But Watford were flying since Long came in, and obviously that's a derby. But um, the fact that the first time Galway dropped points, and you and it's the first time Long has dropped points since he's gone in at Watford would have been a, a bit of a, a double blow for them. Um, Galway's record in Longford isn't that great, neither, from what I know. Um, so Longford probably would have fancied it and it's a big result for them and a big result for Henderson in there because um, him and Gavin Pearce have gone in and they've tried to bring a lot of young players through and they're trying to change the way the club is in terms of making sure that some of their academy players are getting more game time and I think they brought on two young lads in the game too so it's great to see that and um, yeah but it's not as bad a result for Galway as they were, it could have been if Wat, if Watford had got the victory against Wexford. Yeah, and in the kind of mid-table part of it, from third to ninth, just eight points separating them now after that Longford Town win with uh, Athlone Town in third and Cove just behind them and Bray uh, down to fifth. And in the women's Premier Division, Wexford beat Shelburne 1-0, a crucial result for Wexford there, who would have made a slow start to the season. Bowes won 3-1 at Cork City. Sligo Rovers were beaten 3-1 at home by Athlone Town. And then... Galway United, who have been really, really good this season, winning 2-0 at DLR Waves. But the uh, the big game was Leaders P-Mount against Shamrock Rovers, and it ended up being a nil-all draw. Karen Duggan missed a penalty, an 89th-minute penalty for uh, for P-Mount that would have uh, stretched their lead. But the uh, the goalkeeper who did save it was her housemate, Amanda Budden. So I'm sure there'll be conversations in the house there. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, Amanda Budden was uh, also speaking to us afterwards. So uh, here she is. Interview with Shamrock Rovers, Amanda Budden. Amanda, congratulations, not just on the penalty save, but overall you had to save another one straight after that. Yeah, look, it was a, it was a bit hectic there towards the end, last 10-15 minutes. We were really on the back foot and they were really pressing high, but yeah, look, 
Penn was 50-50 and I'm just glad I went the right way and yeah, look, the girls were great in front of me as well and charging everything down so yeah, it was good, I think we'll take the point. Karen Duggan, usually deadly from the spot, I'm sure you've uh, faced her before. <laughs> yeah, like I live with Karen so we were winding each other up before the game but uh, yeah, look, I thought she was going to go the other side but um, yeah, no, look, she's a great penno taker, has taken many and scored probably 90% of them so yeah, I'm just glad I saved that one. Shamrock Rovers remain unbeaten, the only side unbeaten in the in the Premier Division. Yeah. Uh, how far can you go this year? As a, look, it's the first year in the league. Um, if you said to us before, when this started, you get a point off shells at home, point at Pisa at home and an unbeaten run. Don't think anyone would even believe it. So, look, we'll keep our heads down and keep driving on. And, yeah, we're just happy with happy with a draw, I suppose. But, um, yeah, we'll keep going. I know strikers set themselves targets. What about goalkeepers? I mean, how many how many penalties would you would you like to save this year? <laughs> look, I'll take that one, but yeah, look, I don't know, penos are hit and miss, um, but yeah, obviously it's nice for a keeper to keep a clean, she- clean sheet, like even regardless with the wins, I don't even think we have that many clean sheets, so that's definitely something we need to work on, um, just keeping the goals to a minimum as possible, but um, yeah, no, look, the girls in front, they're brilliant, like they've played nearly 90% of the team is in and out of Ireland squads from underage, so I'm just glad that uh, it's going in the right direction this year. And that is uh, Amanda Budden, Shamrock Rovers goalkeeper, and she was there discussing uh, making a penalty save uh, against her housemate, uh, Karen Duggan. Um, but anyway, uh, in terms of the table, P Mount United, uh, top of the table at the moment on 19 points, three clear of Galway United, who have made a brilliant start the season. And then they're one point clear of Shamrock Rovers, who have a game in hand. And uh, Katie McCabe also involved in Arsenal's Champions League semi final against Wolf- Wolfsburg. Uh, yesterday was the stand-in captain. Unfortunately for Arsenal and Katie McCabe, they ended up losing um, 5-4 in aggregate after extra time. And uh, she did hit the crossbar at one point, which uh, would have put them ahead. But uh, alas, that did not happen. Um, just uh, in terms of the Premier League, though, um, Evan Ferguson, Graham, you know, we've uh, we've talked about his future uh, at length on this podcast, but it's more set in stone now. Five-year deal with Brighton that runs until 2028. And... <laughs> I suppose for him, it, it well, obviously from the Brighton point of view, it gives them a lot of control. But for him as well, that's a lot of stability to sort of build on quietly for the next while. Yeah, correct. It, it, it does both. I think it gives the club control and Evan control as well. I think if a bid comes in, it needs to be the right bid. I think it stops the thoughts of maybe I'm signing and becoming a bit part player at, at, at a club that might be bigger than Brighton. Um, I touched on this before where... If Man United come in to sign him, they, they make him his marquee signing instead of you know having somebody that's waiting in the wings and they can use him and not use him. Where I think the extra five years to get him out of Brighton, they're going to have to pay considerable mon- more money, and that ups his standing with the new team that he's going into. Um, so in that sense, I think it's a it's a it's a great deal for both parties. I think it's a great deal for Evan, and I think it's a great deal for Brighton. Because, like you said, it adds value to everything they're trying to do. Him as a player at the football club and his value to the football club in terms of a transfer fee going forward. So I think it's um, it's really good decision-making from from Evan and, and uh, his, his dad, Barry, I'd say. Yeah, and uh, in terms of uh, last week's matches in the Premier League, so that round of action that was midweek, uh, apparently it was the first time uh, since football was invented in 1992 that no <laughs> Irish no Irish player has started uh, a round of pre- a full round of Premier League games, and that's because Gavin Bazuna was dropped. Seamus Coleman didn't, and we'll talk about Seamus Coleman very shortly. Didn't feature. Yeah, yeah. Seamus yeah. Coleman didn't feature. Uh, 
in uh, in Everton's previous game and then uh, other players who maybe would have been in contention like Evan Ferguson also out with uh, injury but uh, I mentioned Seamus Coleman because unfortunately last night against Leicester David I mean um, probably people have seen the tackle uh, some people might not have been able to see it live because it the match was on at the same time as uh, as the Derry yeah. City Shamrock Rovers game but uh, uh, Sumare kind of goes into him at speed and unfortunately his leg is planted and it looks like a bad knee injury won't know the extent until probably later today or later this week um, but coupled with Matt Doherty being um, you know not getting any game time at all for Atletico Madrid and uh, you know a fixture a fixture against Greece coming up in about a month and a half it's concerning on that side of the pitch for Stephen Kenny Yeah no massively so it was like as you say, like kind of when you watch the game, uh, like last night, it kind of was more so a case of um, you getting the clips sent through to you on the phone. Because again, I wasn't watching, wasn't watching that game live, and uh, yeah, you're you see, it and it looks bad, and you see him getting stretchered off, and I'm giving that the fist salute to the the Everton fans and to the players, you know. Um, you're kind of you're just you're you're kind of hoping that it's it's not a serious one, you know what I mean? That it's it, hopefully it's maybe just it, I don't know, an, an impact injury that can can be dealt with and you could be back in a, in, a, in a few weeks. I would imagine just the nature of the stage of the season, Everton are out, it could be difficult for them to get back before the end of the season. And then it's just, as you say, it's just waiting to see what the actual proper extent is of the of the injury. And you're you're just dreading that it's something bad, especially again, because you say like the games that Ireland have in June and also a stage as well that, that Everton are at this season and how, what's, all, what's on the line for them because it looks now as if they could be going, they could be getting relegated, you know. And then, obviously, f- f- from Seamus's point of view as well, he's had a couple of niggles this season, he's back from that hamstring issue. He's already come back from one career threatening when he when he had his leg, that horrific leg, uh, leg breaking tackle in the played against Wales. Um, and you're just hoping that this is something that he can get back from quickly, really, is you know. Yeah, because also earlier in the day, David, I mean, there was the Shadozio Bene one as well. So he was an action for Rotherham United who have secured um, safety in the, the championship. And then there's a tackle from behind and he goes down clutching his hamstring about 19 minutes in, isn't able to continue. And again, you know, when you look at the time frame um, to that game against Greece on the 16th of June, again, it's more little worries at this time of the season for Kenny. Yeah, and like that, just the nature of it. You would like, you know, lads coming off the back of just grueling long seasons. You mentioned Evan Ferguson. Evan Ferguson, he's had a couple of injuries. You know what I mean? He's had his that's the ankle one, the issue with the with the issue with the knee. Where he had the bone bruising on the knee, and like again, but in fact, that's something that could still be managed. You know, um, but going in, it's just the nature. But that's just the nature of international management. I think I've said this before, where like players coming in at different times, and there's always, always going to be issues and niggles and especially going into a, a game in June it's probably the downside where you just need lad need time to just have their bodies to recover and, and to rest and just the nature of it they're not they're not gonna have it because you can be sure that there'll be an awful lot of players managing managing stuff at this at this stage it's just because the nature of it's coming towards the end of, of of the season but it's it's one of the things you need talk about luck where that's the one thing you kind of a manager does need is a, a little bit of luck with those injuries and the the injuries to personnel and lads who aren't maybe playing and that's where Ireland are gonna hopefully by the time those games come around and in fairness it's something excuse me it's something that Stephen Kenny kind of actually said about I think when he did a thing with a few of us in a, a hotel in in Dublin um a couple of months ago now 
speaking about kind of realizing after last year about how he manages the load for players in the summer for the summer games and the fact that there is that plan to go away for I think it was like a week long training camp being uh, in, in Antalya before the, the Greece game and obviously since the Greece game had um, the actual fixture so they between them, they being confirmed when it was happening and then the actual timing of it little things like it's the fact that it's going to be a nighttime game and not in the middle of Greece in the in the heat as well that could hopefully bode well but it's just going to be a case of what what Kenny was saying before though managing those players when they come in and making sure that they're as close to full fitness as you can be at that stage of the season yeah and then just on the relegation battle in the Premier League um Graham just looking at the the table here uh West Ham on 34 points uh they have five games to go so they have a game in hand on uh all the teams below them so they're 15th Leicester as we saw last night, drawn against uh, 2-2 with Everton in what was an entertaining game. They're on 30 points, Leeds on 30 as well. And then within the relegation zone itself, Nottingham Forest on 30, Everton on 29, and then Southampton on 24. Like if you were calling it now in terms of who you think will probably, and I'm I'm saying this assuming Southampton go down and don't uh, don't stage a great escape, but who would the, who the other two would be who would be joining them in the championship next season? What the... Uh... Do you, me, do you want me to play us some time, Graham, and I'll go and I'll be definitive? I'm yeah, yeah, go, go for it, go for it, Dave. I'm not, I'm gonna say Everton and Leeds. Yeah, well, Forest will nick out. I think Forest will nick out. Yeah, yeah, at least just the point. The only Forest are the only Forest are the only team in the bottom half who happened to sack their manager or got rid of the manager this season. That's exact. That's the one thing that I was looking at in terms of the the, the, the West Ham. Sorry. Oh, sorry, West Ham. Yeah, sorry, yeah, West Ham. Hey, uh, come on now. Uh, okay. I see. I don't want to see Leeds go down. I like Leeds. Uh, and there so, is the rumor, of course, of Big Sam potentially. Uh, you know that that was reported last night. Well, the, uh, the, the the director of football is gone. You saw that statement came out there a few minutes ago. The director of football at, at Leeds is gone. Um, but it'd be great for Forest. Sorry, on the on the Forest one, just obviously Andy Reid in there as well. He's one of Steve Cooper's yeah. uh, coaches. Um, but yeah, no, I have a I have a feeling. I know Forest have been in there, but I just think if you look at some of the games. I, I tell you what, I I go with I'll go with Everton and Leicester. I I think the I think Leicester's goalkeeper has been an issue for them all year. And I think they never really replaced Michael. And I think when it comes down to it at, and the crux of it, that's what that would be the difference. Um I'm just from yeah. He had a good game last night. Everton, Leicester. Interestingly enough, uh, what's that? He had a good game last night. Everson, I mean, for for Leicester. Um, oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. In fairness, since they brought Everson in, they've been better. The boy Ward that was in. Yeah, before, Ward. Yeah, Ward top. was struggling a little bit. But, yeah, uh, Ward was struggling. So, Everson yeah, that might change my mind as well, Rafa. Ah, no. <laughs> <laughs> you look at the fixtures. I kind of see. You look at the next two fixtures. Like, like Leicester have Fulham away and Liverpool at home. I can see. I can see Leicester getting points in those games. And if you look. Yeah, I don't know. I think I don't know where the, ah, yeah, Fulham are unbelievable this year in Craven Cottage as well. No, I know, but I just think this stage of the season, like what are Fulham playing for now? You know what I mean? Even ah, Liverpool. I, I, I know, but the, when you, I just turn, think it's, I'll, I'll go. Le- I'm gonna for that reason, for that statement, I'm gonna go Leicester. Leicester. But, look, but then you look at the Leeds games. Like Leeds have City away. They have Newcastle at home. That's maybe maybe they could get something like that in early game. But Newcastle are flying. Newcastle. Like they, that could that could be the game where Newcastle are confirmed Champions League. I think they pretty much already got it. But that and then they've West Ham away, and then their last game of the season is Spurs. And then <laughs> I was just having another, I was having another little look there with, with Everton, or sorry, with Nottingham Forest, sorry, and their fixtures. And it's like they like they've Southampton at home next. 
they're, mm. that's their next game and then they've got Chelsea away so Chelsea away is a given that's that's three points not a bother like I anyone would go there um, but I just don't know maybe it could be totally wrong I just see more I can see more points for maybe a Forest and a Leicester to make sure that they say over where it is with Everton and Leeds and the way things are going I just yeah. I can't see I can't see Never, I, I can't see Everton staying up I think it'd be, I think it's between Forest Forest, Leeds and Leicester but I'm going to go yeah it's always tricky isn't it with this one because you're like like you said that could be playing in games that are nothing games for other teams and that's that's uh, the only thing like, yeah like There's you said Leeds' as fixture list has killed them like yeah well they're all circling the drain anyway so whichever one um, slips out first anyway but uh, we're just about to wrap up but I had one question for you David before we go so what is the United Church League I saw it in my email there in one of your responses oh sorry oh, I was only messing I know I know just there uh, you know big big win last week come from promoted from Division 2 of the United Churches League so um <laughs> What you call it? As as a bit as a bit part experience player in the team, we took great. Uh, I'm surprised you can't tell by my voice because we were celebrating out on Sunday. And I'm still a bit hoarse and still a bit stale. So um, you know, you have, you have to celebrate. You have to celebrate the, these uh, monumental achievements. You know. All right. Well, we'll we'll try and source highlights and maybe player ratings or something as well uh, <laughs> with plenty of interest. But anyway, that that brings us to an end for today. And as I said earlier on, we have Shamrock Rovers against Bohemians live on RT two and RT player on Friday night. So well worth tuning in. Second derby of the season. But uh, David Snade and uh, also Graham Gartland. Thanks to Mill for coming on this. Pleasure, lads. Thanks.